Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got another great show lined up for you. Here's what's on deck. With everything going on, it would be easy to overlook the fact that Apple's out with earnings next week. As the company regains our collective attention, Carter Worth is plotting out whether the stock can regain its leadership position. Then, could old GE be one of the best ways to play the new Biden administration? Tony Zhang will plug you into what's happening in that stock. Lots of hints there. And... Welcome, newbies. Lots of you jumping onto the options chessboard, but a word to the wise, you can quickly get caught as a pawn. Let us help you develop a long game strategy to stay out of check. Professor Ko is your knight in options armor. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Let's get right to it. Apple slices long the foundation of a classic pie. Apple stock, currently the foundation of a classic technical move. Carter Worth explains what is cooking. Carter. You bet. It's, it's one of the simplest setups uh, in markets, uh, not Apple, but the setup itself, and we will examine it. But first, just a few uh, uh, sort of bullet points, if you will, on the sequence. What do we know? One, Apple peaked on September 2nd at around $138 a share. And since then, it's dead flat, made no progress in almost five months as the S&P has gone up seven plus percent. Two, we know it dropped 25 percent from that peak in two weeks to 103, a low on September 21st. Three, it's returned to its former high, which in principle is a setup for a breakout to new highs. A very uh, straightforward sequence. In terms of the pattern, the visuals, the optics of that, the first chart, uh, you see it there, no drawings or annotations by me. The next chart, now I've added the lines. This is, uh, this is the setup optically, a well-defined uptrend, uh, and then it gets ahead of itself, it pulls back to trend, then it reapproaches the highs about a month ago, backs away but shallow, and now here we are reapproaching it again. This is the moment where you typically break out. And then the final chart, just another way to draw the lines. Uh, one can call this a cup and handle. It doesn't matter what you call it. What it is, is more often not the setup that uh, foreshadows a breakout. Stock closed at 139, spot 07. Uh, we're thinking 150. All right. Thank you for that, Carter. So from Carter's jacket, tie, and pocket square, we go to Mike and his fleece vest. What is the trade, Mike? <gasps> Yeah, this vest is actually made of wool. And if you're at the NASDAQ right now, I want to thank them because they're the ones that sent it to me. It's part of this Christmas package that they send out. So thank you for that. It's keeping me warm. So interesting thing, we're going to talk a little bit also about earnings here. If you take a look at the last eight quarters, Apple has moved an average of about 4.5%. And we often talk about implied moves. And if you're wondering how to calculate that, the best way to do it sort of back of the napkin is take a look at the weekly options, the at-the-money call and put. In this case, the stock was trading around 137 when I was looking at this earlier today. Obviously, it closed slightly higher than that. You add that call and that put together. When I did that, that was $8.75, approximately 6.4% of the current stock price. So that's what the options market is thinking could happen next week. So the trade, I think we want to take advantage of the fact that the options are implying slightly higher than average uh, volatility. We want to sell some of those options. So I was looking at the March-July 140 
155 call diagonal. So what am I doing here? I was going to buy the July 140 calls, those were trading for about $13, and sell the March 155 calls for $3. Net net, I'm going to lay out $10 a share to put this trade on. Now, an important thing to consider when you use a diagonal like this, if you're putting, if you're spending less money than the distance between the strikes, in this case it's $15, so we're spending 10, distance between the strikes is 15, you have profit no matter how high the stock goes. That's not true for a straight calendar necessarily. But in a diagonal, that's one of the reasons we're setting it up this way. So that if the stock goes higher, there's no circumstance where this isn't profitable. To the downside, our maximum risk is $10. So why would we do this rather than buy the stock? You know, we were hearing on Fast, actually, that if you're looking at Apple, uh, certainly over the last 10 years or so, right now the price to earnings at about 40 is probably about as high as it's been by a good margin. But here's the amazing thing. For the size of the company, it is a little bit of a value stock, believe it or not. Sales anticipated to grow by about 16%, earnings by maybe 22%, maybe gross margins increased to about 39%. And why is that? Because there's a billion iPhones, iPads, and Macs out there, which is a great platform, obviously, to build on their services business. And they seem to be delivering. So that's why it's starting to price a little bit more like a growth stock. But this is basically a less risky way to make yeah. a bullish bet than just going out and buying the stock here. Tony, you like this trade? I do. I love the technical setup that Carter's laid out here, that triple top at 138. You already have the breakout here as of today's close. As Carter said, we're already broken out above that 138. So I love the technical breakout, and especially when you align that with an earnings release, that type of catalyst, that will usually, uh, the, the, with the relative strength, we'd like to see that going into an earnings event. Now, when we look at the earnings itself, I think a lot of investors are focused this time on the services business and seeing growth in there, and I certainly want to see that. But I actually think one of of the, the things that we should look at is actually the Mac um, laptop business because they've recently moved off of Intel chips, which brings the iPhone, the iPad, and the laptop all onto the same chip, which means that you can now potentially run iPhone apps on your laptop. I think that's a game changer going forward. And then you add on top of the, uh, the augmented reality uh, um, what they just said this week about augmented reality as well as autonomous driving going out to 2024. I think I really like this setup here for this. And Mike's diagonal, as he said, he's only spending $10 for a diagonal that's $15 wide. That means that even if Apple has that blowout quarter, he doesn't have any losses to the upside. And you really need to have Apple move substantially lower for him to risk that full $10 or only about 7.5% of the stock price. So for those reasons, I really like this trade setup. All right, last word on, on, on this trade, Mike, and any caveats given the, the massive run that we saw across mega cap technology this week. Yeah, actually, and that's a great point, right? So we've seen this big run, and a lot of times we're in situations where we want to own the stocks, we want to continue to hold these stocks, but we're just a little bit nervous about the valuation. Trade structures like this one allow us to continue to participate to the upside, but give us a lot more protection to the downside in the case that things turn sour. And when you start to see headier valuations, that is always a possibility. All right, let's move on to another classic name, General Electric. The stock could see renewed interest with the new Biden administration's focus on greener energy. Tony is explaining this one. Tony? 
Exactly. Uh, this company is 130 years old, but the turnaround story for GE, I think, is starting to take hold here. Especially, as you said, President Biden has a $2 trillion uh, green climate uh, infrastructure bill that he's trying to pass through. I think that's going to put significant uh, weight behind the, the, the power and renewable business that GE has, which currently is about a third of their revenues, which is going to offset some of the softness we're starting to see from the aviation business, which is another one-third of the revenue here for GE. So so if we look at the long-term chart here for GE, over the past five years, this stock has greatly underperformed its sector industrials. But over the past couple of years, the stock has really started to form a base here and starting to break out above some resistance levels here at $11 here just over the past couple of weeks. Now, if we zoom in here over the last six months, this is really where GE has greatly outperformed its sector after underperforming for a long period of time. GE up 57% over the last six months versus 22% for XLI, the industrial sector. So this is the type of relative strength that I really like to see going into an earnings event next week. If we look at the earnings itself, it's currently implying about a 7.6% move versus the actual move over the last eight quarters is only about 6.3%. So options are implying a sizable move here. So implied volatilities are relatively elevated. So when you take into account the fact that this stock has had a very strong run over the last three months, I am concerned of how much more upside the stock can have on earnings and the fact that options are really expensive. I'm actually going to use the same trade structure that Mike is using for Apple, using a call diagonal. I'm using the February-June 11, 11 and a half call diagonal. So I'm buying the June 11 calls for about $1.29 and I'm selling the February 11 and a half calls against it for about $0.42. Cents. So net-net here I'm paying $0.87 cents for a, uh, for a diagonal that's uh, 50 cents wide. So unlike Mike's trade where he was paying less than the distance between the two strikes, I'm paying a slightly more than that. So there is downside here. If GE blows out earnings and goes above $13.50, you will see some losses. But I, I think that's a relatively low probability here. How does that GE chart look to you, Carter? Sure. Well, the, the, I think what's uh, so important here is where the stock basically found its footing. To think that its peak was as far back as 2000 at $58, I mean, 20 years. And what we know is it got down to a low on May 15th. Remember, the market bottomed in March, and GE was still making new lows at $5.50. That's remarkably close to its financial crisis low, which is $6.50. So it's 09 low, $6.50. It undercuts it by a dollar, $5.50, this go around with the pandemic, and then comes to life in a big way, just as uh, Tony has described. So in terms of price objectives, one thing we can target, right, is it's pre-pandemic high, it's Feb 12 high. Many stocks, the market itself, has recovered to the pre-pandemic high. That is 13.25. The stock closed at 11.11. That's some nice eating from here. Yeah, Mike, your quick thought on this trade? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it as an options trade. I mean, GE, obviously, we know about the troubles in the power business and a lot of the other things. This is a company that for years was able to engineer its earnings. And by stuffing a lot of skeletons into closets, when they start to come back out, we don't really know how many there are. But I do believe that the new management is on the right track and trying to straighten out this company. But it is really a big ship, and it's hard to turn these kinds of things around. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Use of options in retail trading is continuing to rocket higher. If that's how you got here, welcome. But be warned. 
Quick Mobile Trades on Momentum is a betting strategy, not an investment strategy. Professor Mike Coe has guidance on how to keep your account from burning up in the atmosphere. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. If you caught Fast Money yesterday, of course you did, you might recognize this next graphic. Take another look at this options explosion. More than 21 billion contracts changed hands on the market last year, blowing 2019's traffic out of the water. And now Bob Pisani is here to tell us how the retail investor could drive options trading even higher in 2021. Hey, Bob, good to see you. Good to see you as always, Melissa. Stock trading volumes exploded in 2020 and they're up even more in January, believe it or not. Now, three signs point to retail investors as the primary reason overall trading is up. First, the tape that reports retail trading, it's known as the Trade Reporting Facility or TRF for short. It's seen a dramatic increase in the last year to a record percent of the overall trading volume. Second, monthly trades at retail brokers like Charles Schwab and Interactive Brokers have also hit a record. Finally, equity option trading is way up. December saw an average of 32.7 million contract trade on all of the equity options exchanges on a daily basis, also a record. But in January, so far, 39.8 million contracts a day are trading. That's another record, and it's another indicator of retail activity. Here's another one. Trading in single contract options have doubled in market share from 4% to 8% of the contracts and tripled in volume in contracts per day. Now, that's retail trading. Institutions are not buying and selling a single options contract. As for the options trading in general, traders tell me that the same phenomenon we talked about a few months ago, buying out-of-the-money call options that was so popular in 2020, continues in January. Now, there is still a lot of interest in these short-dated calls. Those are the options with the longest odds against the buyer because they decay so rapidly. But they keep working as long as the markets and the individual stocks keep going up. Is there any sign retail traders are getting more cautious? Remember, Interactive Brokers Chairman Tom Petterfee, he told me in December that his clients were net short in the market in the prior five days. But traders told me that call buyers are still predominant in the market. And Melissa, one thing about the volume in equities, a lot of the volume is in the bottom rung of the NASDAQ and the NYC, $2 and $3 stocks. There's a lot of activity in the conference rooms and the chat rooms. And that seems to be back again in a very, very big way. So just bear that in mind. It's not Tesla necessarily. A lot of it's that bottom rung uh, of the stock market, the cheap stuff. Back to you. Reddit's the new chat room, apparently, Bob. Thank you. Bob Pisani. Whether you're joining us tonight new to the options game or as an old salt, our goal, as our slogan states, is always to help you risk less to make more. So tonight, Professor Ko will review not just how to buy, but how to buy right. He's here with a call to action. Mike. Yeah, that's right. So what Bob was talking about is one of the primary uses of options. And there's really three categories I like to think about. So one is using options the way he was suggesting buying short-dated calls to make directional bets. These are short-term in nature. You leverage a small amount to capital, but the problem is you need something to happen for that to be profitable. So the probability of profit is lower. What's another possible use case? 
hedging. The nice thing about hedging, of course, is that it can reduce your overall risk, it can smooth your returns, but buying insurance always comes at a cost, and generally speaking, your cumulative returns are ultimately going to be lower. The final use case, and probably the one most people who are just starting out with options ought to be considering, is generating yield by overwriting. The nice thing about this is that you're going to enhance your yield, and as Carter pointed out last week, Yield, dividends, returns, those can, over time, be a very meaningful part of your investment returns overall. So that's an important thing to consider. Pick stocks that you want to own for the long term and try to enhance your yield. So what's an example of this? I was looking at Microsoft, which was trading right around 228 bucks today. If you don't already own the stock, what you would be doing in a buy right is you would be buying the Microsoft shares at 228, 100 shares, and then you would sell one call against it. That's the writing part, writing a call option. Specifically, I was looking at the March 245s. You could collect about $4.30 for that. Now, think about this. Microsoft is also going to be paying about a $0.56 cent dividend. You put the dividend together with the yield that you collect for that call, and you get more than a 2.1% yield from now until March expiration. So if you bought the shares and they just go sideways, you're going to collect a little over 2% in yield. That may not sound like a lot, but that's less than two months. Over time, that really begins to add up. When those expire, you do the same process, essentially rinse and repeat. The only thing is, of course, if you sell the upside call, you are capping your potential gains, but your upside gains are still more than 9% in a trade like this one over 60 days. All right, thanks for that, Mike. And, and Carter, you got a chart for us. We do. Uh, look at it. It's, it's identical to Apple, meaning where did it peak? September 2nd, just mm. like Apple. They were all ahead of themselves, but now they're fully rested, and Microsoft presumptively will break out, as Netflix has just done, as we believe Apple will. Tony, I imagine you use this strategy too. I do, and this is actually, I think, one of the best strategies for beginners to start with because, number one, it's, it allows an investor who's getting into options to actually hold an option all the way through expiration. And this allows an investor to understand how a call option responds to the stock moving higher and lower, and also how it responds to time. So delta and theta, two of the most important Greeks. So cover calls is a great way for users to get exposure to the, those two Greeks. Um, and so for those reasons, I really like the strategy for someone who's starting out. All right. Up next, how one stock really lived up to its name for one of our traders. Plus, we're taking your tweets to so send them at Options Action. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. In our final show of 2020, Tony laid out a way to get the best out of Best Buy. Let's take a look back at the trade. You've had a recent breakdown below the $105 support level. It actually came back to retest that level as resistance and actually got rejected. And especially if you look at Best Buy to its sector, the XRT, the retail sector, it's actually severely underperformed the sector itself. So this severe underperformance for me is actually the opportunity that I see to take a look at this stock. I chose to go out to January 29th, the weekly options, to sell a put spread. I've sold the 102.95 put spread, collecting about $2 and 75 cents. Well, Tony knocked this one out of the park and was able to take profits in it. So, Tony, what are you doing next? Yeah, so we sold this for about $2.75. Earlier today, you could buy it back for about $0.02, cents, which is about 99% of the max profit. 
but I see a lot of investors may be inclined when they see these types of credit spreads expire almost worthless just to leave them to expiration. But I, I encourage investors to actually buy back this credit spread, remove the obligation, because in case Best Buy does an, an unlikely event collapse over the next week, you can remove yourself from the obligation of buying this stock. So take profits and move on to the next trade. Yeah. What, do you, what is your outlook at this point, Mike? Let's go to you on a Best Buy. Yeah, no, well, first of all, I mean, I think Tony's making a good point. That's just trade management 101. You know, you don't want to leave your short options when there's just so little money left to collect. That's just whether it's just a naked option or a vertical spread like that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think anything is likely to fall out of bed uh, unless we get some very bad news on any particular front right now. I mean, the things that are bolstering uh, growth stocks and bolstering the market generally, they remain intact. You know, we have a lot of political uncertainty behind us. So. Um, I'm still relatively sanguine, I think. All right. Up next, we got your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, how do we think Boeing earnings will be next Wednesday, as well as the price uh, reaction? A lot of big orders in recently, and the 737 MAX is approved for travel in Canada and the EU next week. Mike, what do you tell uh, Minerva's market guide? Yeah, so Minerva's market guide, there has been some good news, but I don't think they're completely out of the woods yet. I like the trade structure that we used earlier in the show, diagonals. You might think about buying, say, two 10-strike calls longer dated, sell 225s or 230s against it to finance it. All right. Well, our next viewer asks, how about Johnson & Johnson going into earnings next week? Um, he is bullish and using a 160-180 March 19th call spread. Is this a good call? Carter, your two cents. Sure. Uh, great looking chart. Uh, important relative strength to the healthcare sector. And at 163.55 close today, I think you've got this dead to rights, the 160.180. All right. Time for the final call. Uh, Tony, kick us off. Uh, I think GE is going to electrify the future with renewable energy. So I'm buying a call diagonal spread. Carter. Apple poised to break out. Mike Coe. New traders. Think about buy rights. All right, that does it for us on Options Action. See you back here next Friday. Mad Money starts right now. <laughs>